Welcome to the Daily Sports Show Redo. I am your host, Tyler James. Here at the Redo, I've spent my time watching and listening to all the talking heads give their inflated takes on popular topics. Then I pick a few of those topics that I find good, bad, or just plain weird, and give them a redo by giving my take without the yelling, pandering, or trying to create a new hot take. It's Monday, January 22nd, and one of the hot topics today, not surprisingly, was the topic of an NFL rule that is kind of following a little bit of scrutiny now, and that is uh, when you fumble, when the offensive team fumbles the ball through the end zone and it becomes a touchback for the defense. Now, last night, this happened to the Kansas City Chiefs as they had the big tur- or turnover on downs in the Bills. They went down, got down to the one with Hardman off the sweep to the left, and he ends up fumbling the ball, and it goes out of bounds, ba- or out through the end zone, out of bounds, becoming a touchback. And this has happened a couple times this year already. You know, it happened to Justin Jefferson earlier in the year, CeeDee Lamb a couple weeks ago. You know, it's been... One of those rules that people have kind of been polar opposites of. And then there's a famous one from uh, Calvin Johnson against Seattle. They they were using that highlight to compare it. Where he was going in for the end zone, but then someone knocked it out from behind him and batted up the end zone. And, you know, there was a different takes on it. You know, I think the some people talked about how it's just such a brutal... Uh, punishment for the offense. You know, they not only they lose possession, but the other team gets the ball to 25. So just a drastic change of the field right there. But the other side of that is the people talked about, like specifically uh, Ryan Clark on ESPN's show, Get Up. <coughs> he talked about how, you know, this is a, there, there's been so many rule changes in the NFL that have favored the offense, you know, that have, you know, taken, made it harder on the defense over the years. And if they change this, that would just be another one to stack up there. And it's one of those things where it's why should the offense be rewarded for fumbling the ball and, you know, not being able to recover it. Especially when, you know, they have 99 yards of field to work with where if they fumble it anywhere else and it goes out of bounds, they retain possession pretty much where they lost it so anywhere else so you know why should losing it out of the end zone reward the offense with the ball and some are saying oh you know like you back them up five yards but still it's going to be what second down from the six yard line that doesn't really today's age with the elite level of quarterbacks and the running game like that's not really a that's a that's a good break for the for the offense you know and so after, uh, like I said, hearing uh, Ryan Clark talk about it, and I was like, because initially I was kind of like, yeah, that is a brutal rule. Just like you lose, not only do you lose possession, but the other team gets away from the, the goal line. So I, I agree with the sentiment that it's the offense's responsibility to not lose the ball on the one-yard line like that. You know, especially when all you got to do is just have the very tip of the ball cross that line before you lose possession and it's a touchdown. So while it is a it is a brutal rule, I believe it's 
you know, I, I like the, I would like to see it stay. Maybe there could be something where it's less favorable for defense. Or, you know, or, you know, the defense should definitely, it should definitely be a touchback. I'm not going to work to overturn that one, but yeah, uh, defense gets the ball instead of maybe the 25, they get it at the 15 or the 10, you know, kind of keeps it close to that, you know, doesn't, doesn't give them, you know, a quarter of the field already. I think that would be a nice little middle ground because that is, it is a completely devastating for a team. If when they're on the one yard line, they fumble it right out of the end zone just to lose it and just lose all that field, that uh, field too. Uh, moving, moving on, and you know, a lot of talk was a. Uh, actually, I'm gonna take a little quick break right here. Let's get into it, and we're talking about Brock Purdy and his performance Saturday night, and whether that really, you know, he did he beat any of the, did he answer any of the questions people had? You know, people wanted to see, you know, X, Y, or Z from him still. You know, it's second year starter. Really, even last year was he wasn't a full time starter till you know halfway through the season or so. I think I actually not more or less than that, like ten games in. But regardless, you know there's a 49ers are a stacked team. People want to see from Brock Purdy's ability to play from behind. We got to see a little bit of that. I know they put up the stat. Uh, Shanahan's over 30 when entering the fourth quarter, you know, down by five or more, which was kind of a a silly stat to put up there considering they were lining up for a field goal at the end of the third quarter. So, you know, like the fifth, you know, is at the 15 minute mark, the very start of the fourth quarter, they're lining up for a field goal and they kick it. So three seconds off the clock, they're down by four. So it's uh, that whole like, oh, five or more. It's kind of like, ah. Kind of silly to put it up there, but whatever. Uh, Brock Purdy overall didn't have a great game. You know, the big you know talking point is there's people that are very pro Purdy, and then people that a little harsher on him. Uh, you know, and the big argument was you know the whole he was bad for three quarters, or not bad, but just really not competitive. You know, put up some yards, he protected the ball, which is always good. But, you know, that last drive is where he really, that was a great last drive by him. That's what you need. That was, you know, Tom Brady-esque, if you will. Or it doesn't matter how you played, you know, the other three quarter, three and a half quarters. You got a chance to win the game, ball's in your hand, and you're able to take your team down there and put them in position to win. That's what we want from elite quarterbacks whether they're throwing for 400 yards or for 200 yards. You need that game-winning drive, and that's what they got out of Brock Purdy there. So all the credit to him. You know, you, I think the, the course criticism is not going to stop because it never stops. <clears throat> I think he's going to – he has a pretty good break that he's playing the, the Lions next week, and the weather should be pretty good for them hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a – Great game for his uh, resume, for sure. You know, he had the entering the fourth quarter down, had the lead uh, game-winning drive. He did it. You know, granted, it was he was very accurate in the last drive. You know, he's able to hand the ball off to McCaffrey, who gets the last 
10 yards or so with that run, score a touchdown and put them up. For some, that's not enough to, you know, really validate Brock Purdy. And I guess it kind of depends what you mean by validation. Because there are some that, you know, they look at the remaining quarterbacks, you know, and it's there's four quarterbacks left, and Brock Purdy's number four. Is that, is that a terrible thing to say? I mean, he's obviously not better than Mahomes. He's obviously not better than Lamar Jackson. Would you want him over Goff? I don't know. I think that those two are probably more similar to me, skill level, to where any given night you could see Jared Goff kind of regress and get a little hectic. While Brock Purdy's been pretty consistently average, and he has, of course, those big blowout games where he throws for – you know, 300-something yards, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, whatever it may be. So I I think I'd put him above Goff. I think he'd be number th- the third-best quarterback in this playoff still. But, I mean, that's that's not like a knock on him. It's only his second season playing the game. You know, there's no need to throw elite status on him or anything. I know he was in the MVP talks. You know, he's still, he's still in the playoffs will more than likely beat the Lions, still be in the Super Bowl against a tough Ravens or tough Chiefs team. We'll see. But uh, this was a, just another one of those topics where there's a lot of, I think people are either, they dug their heels on that they really like Brock Purdy and think he's elite, or they really just don't value Brock Purdy that much yet just because it's the second year and we haven't seen him really struggle too much because the team is, like I said, the 49ers are such a good team that there hasn't really been a, a lot of challenges except for, of course, when they played, you know, the Ravens and he got absolutely stomped on. But, you know, and it's looking like there's not going to be, I think the reports had a 50-50 chance Debo plays on, on Sunday. That's obviously a factor. <clears throat> so we'll see. All right, that's all I got on that. All right, this topic, it's not necessarily a specific topic. It's more so just, man, sometimes it's hard to watch some of these shows. You know, I know they're more entertainment focused. At least some of them are for the most part, but it it gets hard because especially when you got two or at least one person on there who's so kind of extreme one way. Then the other people on the show think they have to kind of like, they either think they have to kind of match the energy and go the other way, or they just get so kind of fed up with it, they just kind of go that way regardless. And it's tough, it's because it's uh, it really takes away from the value of the information because you got just two extremes that don't line up with what anyone really watching the, the product like agrees with because it's like, no one agrees with the far that way or the far that way. It's just, it makes it for tough to watch, you know, because, you know, one of the takes was, you know, it was on a Undisputed, if you couldn't guess what I was talking about. You know, Skip Bezos was talking about how, yeah, I guess he doesn't like kickers. I mean, it's, I guess every every now and then he brings that, he brings that up. And so he's, he gets upset when the games are decided by kickers because they're not, real football players or something. And it was just kind of like, that's a weird point for a game that's been around for so long now. And kickers have been in such a staple of the game for so long. It's that's such a weird, like rule to, or 
element of the game. It's because it's not even a rule. It's the element of the game that to complain about. And I, I just, because it's silly. Because like, if you took away field goal kickers, what do you want teams to do when you know there's a uh, 30 seconds left? They have one timeout and they get the ball back on the 25, and they're down two. They have to score a touchdown. Like, why not? Like, what's wrong with the element of having a kicker? You know, like uh, you, you can pick up. <laughs> You can pick up 45 yards and have your kicker kick a 65-yarder to win the game. That's great. And, you know, and like, like the example is uh, the kicker from Buffalo who missed that 40-something-yarder. Then you same you had the Packers that missed that kick, too. I mean, these are two kickers that we kind of knew were a little sketchy, like going in, like because they've been they've missed recently. So it's not out of the round possibility that they're going to miss these field goals. And this day and age, you know, like when, like with how, because there's been a couple soccer players that have come over to the league. It's like the famous or the most notable right now is the Dallas Cowboy kicker, Brandon Aubrey, who's just outstanding year, was drilling from 60 yards. His first miss was actually a blocked field goal. So whatever. But I mean, with all the kicking talent in the world, I don't understand why teams aren't necessarily just like looking at, you know, these huge soccer countries and say, Hey, you know, instead of playing on your little club team, the hoping to make it to the pros, how about you come to America and try to be a kicker here? Because these guys are just so accurate the way they can bend the bar, bend the ball. It's an, it's insane. But just kind of get back on the topic of like the, Sometimes the show is being hard to watch. It's just, it's rough, especially like when you got players from from uh, diff, different teams, how they really just, that kind of obvious bias that, you know, I'm sure we all have that friend, you know, who's like a diehard, whatever team they are. And it's just excuse after excuse. And it's kind of like, oh, don't you think they made a mistake? It's like, mm, not necessarily a mistake. And then it's just like, come on. Like I, I understand the t- entertainment value of it all especially for some of these bigger shows, you know, that have been around for years now. There is more just characters as opposed to people on them, but it's definitely just brings down the va- or the value of what you were able to get out of a show as far as information goes. All right, that's all I got for my rant on that. Thanks for listening to the Daily Sports Show Redo. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'll see you next time.